Well, my name is Jim, and I'm the Family Ministries Pastor. Good morning. So good to have you all here today and to be here with you. So uh, I started on staff here about five months ago in mid-February, and all these last few months, I've been here in Arizona alone. And my family has been finishing out the school year and their activities up northern Minnesota uh, for the last five months. And so I am excited to be able to say now that they're here. <laughs> yeah, I'm really super excited to. So uh, I'd love to introduce them to you uh, at some point. Feel free to come and introduce yourself. I still haven't met a lot of you, so please come and introduce yourselves to me at any point, and I'll, I'll introduce you to my family too. Uh, you, but you know, as a family, as a family ministries pastors, I have the opportunity to invest in the lives of kids and families of all ages and, and walks of life. And as part of that, a couple weeks ago, I went up to middle school camp to visit for a day to see what the camp is like. This is at UCYC, uh, United Christian Youth Camp, <clears throat> and uh, it's up near Flagstaff. And it was a really great experience. But uh, I got a chance to see what the kids do with, the, with their day and what, what the, uh, the, the layout is. But I also got to see what they do at chapel or their session, their worship sessions. And one of the fun things about it was that they uh, have this uh, uh, build-up, this huge build-up to the countdown, you know, to, to the worship uh, start. So there'd be a big countdown and there'd be music playing and and there's lots of uh, loud uh, noise, and the, the staff are all around the auditorium uh, in front of the kids, and the music, and they're dancing, and they're jumping, and this is all before it starts. And so they're hyping up the kids, but they're doing these uh, different dance moves. And all the kids are, are, you know, a lot of them are doing the same dance moves. Like, wow, you guys all know these different dance moves together. So, so some of the kids actually tried to teach me some of these dance moves. Now, I mean, imagine this 45-year-old guy trying to learn these dance moves with these middle schoolers, right? Well, you don't have to imagine it, because <laughs> I'm going to show you. <laughs> so I, I've invited a couple of our middle schoolers to come on up and help us out. They're right back there. James and Carter, come on up here. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. Okay. So, you know, a 40, you know, being an old guy like me and with a bunch of middle schoolers, it, it can be really embarrassing and kind of hard, uh, super embarrassing for my family too, by the way, um, but I'm going to need your help. <laughs> you didn't know what you were getting into when you came to church today, did you? So I'm going to have you all stand with me if you don't mind. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to make you do the dance moves that they teach us at all, I promise. You don't have to. You can just stand there and watch because that's really how I feel right now. I really just want to watch. But if you'd like to try it out with me, that would make me feel a whole lot better. <laughs> all right, so we got James here and Carter, and uh, they're going to teach us some dance moves, right? Yep. Okay, so James, what is the dance move you're going to teach me? It's called the shoot. James is going to teach me the shoot, Okay. He's going to teach me the shoot, and so, um, anybody here know what that is? Yeah. yeah, no? Okay. All right. All right, so, okay, first of all, demonstrate for us. All right. oh. <laughs> wow, okay. All right. <clears throat> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Awesome. Okay. So, all right, so break it down. What do we have to do? All right, you want to start by um, kicking your leg. Okay. 
Kicking your leg. Kind of want to jump with it, yeah. Okay. And so then you want to start, like, do the hammer. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Four. Okay. All right. You're going to do that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's try to get, like, kick, sink, sink them. Okay, let's try it again. Okay, okay. Uh, Let me try kicking first. Okay, okay. All right, awesome. Hey, I didn't see any of you doing this. Come on. (laughs) Okay, all right. Come on over here, Carter. Carter, what are you going to teach me? The orange justice. The orange justice. Is that like a drink? Or something? Okay. All right, all right. So, uh, what it, demonstrate for us first. <laughs> okay. All right. What do, what do I do? What do I do? So, like this? Okay, I can do that. What? <laughs> okay, like this? Up. Up. Twist. Like Twist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, let's try. Okay, so, okay. Out. Twist. Up. Uh. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, it's so hard. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank, let, let's give it a hand. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, you can, you can sit down. Oh, my goodness. Oh, how we embarrass ourselves. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, the funny thing about these dance moves that uh, these kids do is that it's like... Um, they're like, you know, like, a, like an earworm, you know, gets stuck in your head. Like, they're, they're, these, these moves, like, they grab them, like, at, at random times. So I'll be watching a group of middle schoolers. They'll be talking to each other in a circle or something, and all of a sudden, you'll see one just break out. <laughs> doing these things. And they're just talking, and, and all of a sudden, one will just... I mean, can you imagine if we adults did that? Like, go to work, and your boss is coming to you, and he says... Hey, so the next quarterly report is due next week. I was wondering if we could sit down and go over the numbers. <laughs> okay. You know, it's fun to uh, look into uh, learning these dance moves. I just try to keep it lighthearted for myself sometimes because I'm actually a I tend to take things uh, a little too seriously. I tend to take myself a little too seriously. So it's, it's good for me, it's healthy to, to lighten up sometimes and to just have some fun and learn new things. Uh, we're gonna look at the text today about learning new things, really. And uh, as it can be fun to learn something silly or even something interesting, you know, like a game or a new skill that's helpful. But it's not so fun to learn to look at yourself 
It's not so fun to learn to uh, examine your attitudes, right? It's not so fun to examine how you manage your emotions. And it is no fun to be challenged intellectually about some of your convictions, uh, even politically. Uh, it, it, it can be, you know, we, get, we feel threatened, right? We feel like um, you start getting defensive. And that's not really what God intends for us. The reality that we all live with is that we tend to be defensive and we tend to be hardened when it comes to learning new things, especially when it comes to our emotions, our attitudes, our convictions, right? But the truth is, we all have a lot to learn, don't we? I mean, look at, look at our families. Look at our relationships. How many of you would say that I've got a perfect family. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing everything just right, just perfect. We're not. We all recognize that we have a lot to develop in our families. We have a lot to learn. You know, and God knows that we have so much to learn in our lives. But I'm thankful, I'm thankful that we don't have to be perfect to earn our salvation. We don't have to be perfect to gain standing with the Lord because there's nothing that we can do because God it is by his grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus. We cannot earn it. We cannot gain it. It, it cannot be won. It cannot be gathered. It cannot be collected. It cannot be earned. Or it's not warranted. None of that. But it is given to us by faith. So I'm thankful for that. But when we, when we experience that, that graciousness of God, that forgiveness that he has for us, we also then discover that he has an equally amazing plan to prosper us, an equally amazing plan for us to have a better life. But in order for us to, have, to live into that better life, we must be teachable. We must be teachable. So we're going to explore that a little bit here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because Paul knows this. And that's why he's writing this letter to Timothy. is to help him to remain uh, a, a good, solid leader for his people. And, and he recognizes some things about his people that really kind of resonates with us. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if you don't know where 2 Timothy is, it's way toward the back of your Bible. Uh, back after Galatians, Ephesians, and then before uh, Hebrews and Peter and Revelation. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. I'm not going to read them all, but we're going to be walking through it a little bit. Now I'm going to begin by just reading verse 1, and then I'm going to explain some things to us. So, verse 1, Paul says this to Timothy, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. So let me give you a little background. Terrible times in the last days. See, Paul doesn't know when Jesus is going to return. He has no clue. But he does know that in the days leading up to it, before that, it's going to be terrible times. And it's going to be filled with suffering and immorality. Now, what's going on here at that time, Paul is in Rome. 
And he is writing this letter to Timothy who lives in Ephesus, 1,300 miles away. And Paul is actually in prison. And he is writing this letter to Timothy because he was Timothy's mentor. And Timothy is the leader of the church in Ephesus. And not too long prior to Paul's writing this, the city of Rome had caught fire. And at that time, the emperor of the Roman Empire, his name was Nero, he was a crazy guy. And all the people of Rome blamed Nero for the fire. They thought that he set the the city on fire himself. But Nero blamed all the Christians And so as a result, he started torturing Christians. He would actually get them gathered up and he would line them up on the streets and and crucify them on crosses and X's and hanging upside down. And he would persecute them and he would kill them. And so at that time, this is what Timothy is thinking. Like, there's all this going on. And the people, the Christians who are in Ephesus, they know this is all happening. And so... When Paul says, there will be terrible times in the last days, this is what he has in his mind. This is what's happening. Now, let's go into verse two. People will be lovers of themselves. By the way, as we read through this list, uh, let's see what you recognize from our own culture, from our, our own selves, even. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Man, this list just keeps going. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, and having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So have nothing to do with such people. In other words... Paul was recognizing that the people in Timothy's church have a lot to learn about life, a lot to learn about living life, just like us. So then we go into verse 9, or verse uh, 6, I mean, verses 6 through 9, and uh, now Paul, in his writing here, he is moving from talking about people in general to a very specific group of people, and they were called uh, the Judaizers, okay? So these Judaizers, let me explain just a little bit quickly here. Uh, A lot of Christians in Ephesus came to be Christians as Greeks, They had no exposure to the Old Testament, to the Hebrew Bible. They had no exposure to Jewish Christianity. They only knew uh, Jesus from their Greek background. But these Judaizers were trying to get those Christians to live by the, the Hebrew Bible's rules and ceremonies and rituals. But at the same time, there was this, also this weird influence from another uh, philosophy at that time called Gnosticism, that's what we know it now, and there was a separation in their philosophy between the physical world and the spiritual world. And so the physical world was bad, the spiritual world was good. You remain pure in spirit, and the physical world you try to uh, avoid, or you get rid of it. Or, on the other hand, let the body just do what it does, because it's evil, so let it live it out. So what that led to was a lot of ethical immorality. 
letting the body do what it wants to do, but remaining pure in spirit and mind. There was a disconnect there. So while these people were trying to get the Christians to abide by the rituals of the Old Testament, of the Hebrew Bible, they weren't abiding by the ethical laws, the, the moral laws. It was this weird thing. Now these people were super charismatic, they were super smart, and they were, easy, they, uh, were very well educated, and they won arguments very easily. So you'll notice, if you skim down through 2 Timothy 3, you'll see that he talks about how there are, those who, there are some people who will go into homes and take advantage of these gullible wives or, these, or people who were just uneducated and how easily they were influencing the people in his congregation, in Timothy's congregation. Now imagine, uh, I know that a lot of us already know, we know people who are really, uh, they have a lot of charm, they're witty, they, have, uh, they easily win arguments, right? Do you know someone like that? Maybe you're like that. But that's what uh, Timothy was dealing with. So I get to this section and I think about, okay, what was it like for Timothy as the leader of this church? You've got Nero persecuting and killing Christians, and then you've got a church full of treacherous people doing all these terrible things. You know, they're immoral. And then you've got these people who are super smart and super charming. Sounds like a cross between Jan and Alan, if you ask me. <laughs> Except evil. <laughs> and that's what Timothy's working with. But then he goes, Paul goes into this section uh, here after this, in verse, beginning with verse 10, and he's reminding Timothy, you know my teachings. You know the scripture. And he's just trying to encourage Timothy to be strong in the face of all this. He's trying to encourage Timothy in the midst of all this. You know what you're talking about. You're well-educated too, you understand what God is doing here. And so he charges him to continue leading, continue teaching. And now we get to verse 15. Verses 15 through 17, and we're gonna put that on the screen. Paul says this, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, now there's three, uh, three components here that I want to just point out that speaks to the value of scripture and what it can do. So number one, uh, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, you are, which is able to make you wise for salvation. Now, a lot of us uh, are coming into the church world or into the Christian world with not a lot of background really knowing about the Bible. Uh, that, that's okay. It, you're coming in and you don't know a lot about Jesus. You don't know a lot about God. But the value here that he's pointing out is that if you don't know God, look to scriptures. It'll help you understand God. Being wise for salvation is, is allowing, allowing the scripture to prepare your mind and prepare your hearts for understanding the bigger picture of what God is trying to do in this world and for understanding who you really are as a person, 
when we look at the scripture and the, the story of mankind through the, the millennium, we get a better view of who we really are today and who we are as human beings. And so scripture is helpful for helping, making us wise for salvation. Second, uh, all scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired. It's inspired by God. Now let me just, in case, in case some of you don't know this, uh, human authors wrote the scriptures over many hundreds of years. And uh, these were just humans that were guided by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now they wrote out of their own thoughts. They wrote out of their own, their own hearts. But they were guided by the leading of the Holy Spirit in doing so. And the authors of the scriptures, many of them were either prophets who then demonstrated miracles, performed real miracles by the power of the Spirit of God in their lives, in the lives of other people around them. They performed miracles, and so therefore, the evidence backs up their authority to write. Or they had direct connections with Jesus. They were his direct disciples. And many of them even, uh, we're able to perform the miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the people that are writing the scriptures to us aren't just, it's not just some random guy or random person taking it upon themselves to be the voice of God. They're writing with the authority of the Spirit of God. And then third, scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. If you want to understand these things, the scripture is useful for teaching, for correcting us, and for training us. So we come back to where we started now. We come back to, scriptures are useful for teaching, but here's the question, are we teachable? Are we teachable? Because the bottom line here is that the first step to a better life is a teachable spirit. If we're going to live into this amazing life that God has intended for us, we have to have a teachable spirit. I mean, no one intends to live life as, as a slanderer. No one intends to live life as a gossiper, right? Is that what we want? We don't intend to, to be haters or to be uh, treacherous people. We don't intend to live with anger and bitterness, right? Is that who we want to be? God has something better for us, something better for you. But it begins with a teachable heart. And if we're going to live into the life that God intends for us, we have to be willing to change. And a changed life begins with a humble heart. Change starts with humility. Are we humble? Is there humility in our lives? You know, coming from northern Minnesota to Arizona has been a pretty big change for us. It's been pretty humbling, pretty humbling for us. But I'm thankful that I have people to teach me about what it's like to be here in Arizona. Like, I'm thankful that people are saying, you make sure you have a pair of gloves ready to go for when you get into that car and you grab that steering wheel, right? <laughs> or get those sun shields up because it'll help protect your car. 
I'm thankful for people like the, the McCoys who took me out. Uh, they lead one of our parents of kids groups. And I'm thankful that they took me out on a hike to teach me some survival skills. I mean, who knew that a pair of tweezers would be so essential on a hike in the desert to pull those little cactus barbs out? That came in really handy with our dog, Dude, just the other day. But even, even uh, being out on the golf course with my, golf course with my friends uh, Jason and the LaMonicas who lead the Marriage Mondays, we uh, had a great time on the golf course, but man, I was schooled so bad. And when my, it just reminded me that I need coaching in my life. That when my ball goes shanking off to the right and, and hitting people's roofs, like that's a problem. <laughs> Because when that happens, you know, that's embarrassing too, right? It's embarrassing, and then I start getting defensive, and then the, the anger starts building up, and my mind says, break the club. <laughs> it's the club's fault. Jim, you're fine. Don't worry. You have nothing to worry about, nothing to learn. It's the club's fault. Just break it. That's what I'm really wanting to do. But what I'm remembering is that I have a lot to learn about managing my emotions, my attitudes, and it begins with a teachable spirit. So, friends, I hope you remember this, that when your heart is teachable, life gets better. When you're teachable at work, people will actually like being around you. It may even lead to new opportunities for you. When you're teachable at home with your family, you may find that there's fewer arguments less conflict, or at least conflict gets resolved quicker. When you're teachable uh, with your faith life, you may find that you, be, you, you have fewer regrets. You may find that you'll have a, a healthier life and you'll feel more confident moving forward. So friends, I invite you to, to ponder on this, this question, am I teachable? Is there something in my life that I need to be more teachable about? Do I need to have a little more humility at home or at work or at school or in my faith life or in my political world? I encourage you to pray about that and to talk about that. Now, in a moment, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, but before I do, I'm going to just uh, talk to parents. Parents, uh, would you like to find ways to have more faith conversations at home around the Bible? Would you like to help your teens, get your kids, get more into the Bible themselves and to be teachable and to be influenced by the, the scriptures? Would you like to have more faith conversations in general and ideas and, uh, about what Bibles to use and, and perhaps what devotionals to use? Well, our family ministries team have put together a new round of uh, resources from Parenting Matters. Uh, these are written by them, and we have them for preschool, elementary, two stages of it, and uh, middle school and high school. And so if you'd like to get some tips from our family ministries team, that means the, the people who work with children's ministry and student ministry, uh, we would like to give you the opportunity to pick up these. You can find these at the entrances to the preschool center, the elementary center, and the student center. So just pick up one of these, or you can also find them online at our website at mountainpark.org slash parentingmatters, or you can navigate to Parenting Matters there.
And there you'll find not only these, but all the past Parenting Matters resources that our team has put together as well. Now I just want to uh, just close us in prayer. And um, I want you to know that during this closing song that I'm going to be down here and there might be a couple other people down here to pray with you. If you'd like a little extra prayer for anything, or particularly even about softening your heart towards something that maybe God is inviting you to look at, we'll be down here and I'll pray with you. Let's, let's close in prayer now. Lord, thank you so much for teaching us, for speaking to our hearts here today. Lord, we want to live into this life that you have for us. We're so thankful that you don't hold us to a perfection to find salvation. We're thankful that we have forgiveness and grace. And now, Lord, help us to, to find a way in, and to discover this better life that you have for us. Lord, help us to be teachable, to be humble, so that you can shape us, so that you can change us even, correct us, redirect us as needed. May our hearts and our minds be open to your leading in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.